Turn One Soul Ring, a Commander podcast, is now available on Spotify and Amazon Music. Links to both websites can be found in this podcast description. Consider giving us a follow. New episodes are released weekly, so be sure to stay tuned. Okay, I'll go first. I'll play a land, and I'll play a turn one. Soul Ring. Soul Ring. Soul Ring. <laughs> Soul Ring. Soul Ring. Uh, Soul Ring. Soul Ring. It's Turn One Soul Ring, a Commander podcast. My name is Trent Flager. I've got an exciting show for you today because this topic comes to us from my very first patron over on Patreon, Paul. If you'd like to become a patron and play spell table games with Paul and I, stick around until the end of the episode and I'll give you all the details on how to do so. Today, we'll be discussing EDH the format, as well as the many different ways you can play it. Because while Commander as a format is considerably different from the original format of Magic the Gathering, it can just get a little stale after a while, and that's okay. Luckily for you, if you find that your games of Commander need a little bit of a twist, there are plenty of ways you and your playgroup can enjoy EDH in different ways. Before we go over some of the other variants of the format of Commander, I think it's important that we should go over what standard Commander is, as well as the rules. The formats we'll discuss in this podcast will have at least some variation of these rules, or will add new rules on. So use this as a baseline. For those of you who don't know, Commander, or in some cases Elder Dragon Highlander, or EDH, is a format of Magic the Gathering that revolves around building your deck around your choice of legendary creature, also known as a Commander, which starts the game outside of your deck in a zone called the Command Zone. The Commander can also be a Planeswalker or Legendary Artifact Vehicle that has the label X can be your Commander, whether that uh, is a Planeswalker or Artifact. Although, Planeswalkers and Legendary Artifacts can't normally be your Commander. So keep that in mind, you can't normally use Planeswalkers unless they say that you can. Along with your commander, your deck must contain 99 other cards, all of which must fall within your commander's color identity. Color identity is described as any color icons that appear either in the mana cost of the commander or in its text box. I'll give you an example. Samut Voice of Descent has red and green pips in its casting cost, but white in its activated ability. So you're allowed to run red, green, and white in your deck, even though white isn't in its casting cost. In addition, you can only have a single copy of each card in your deck at a time, unless the card is a basic land, hence the Highlander part of the name. There can only be one, you know the movie. You can cast your commander from the command zone at any time you're allowed to, but you have to pay an extra two generic mana for each time after the first. It's called commander tax. So cast it one time for five mana, you have to pay seven mana the next time you want to cast it from the command zone. Each player begins the game with 40 life instead of 20, and as an additional win condition, if a single player's commander deals 21 damage to another player, that player loses the game. The reasoning behind this is that the Elder Dragons all have 7 power, so taking 3 hits from an Elder Dragon would be enough to kill anyone. 
This style of play is probably the most popular way to play Magic the Gathering. But if you are wanting to spruce things up a little bit in your playgroup, there are some excellent alternatives to Commander that I think you'll absolutely love. Let's go over a few, shall we? The first format that we're going to be looking at today has received a lot of attention and is a format that I still have yet to play myself, although I am building a deck for it right now as we speak. Oathbreaker is an incredibly interesting variant format, and I think it's worth it to check it out. This is the format where Planeswalkers really get to shine in Magic the Gathering because, well, it's kind of revolved around Planeswalkers. Let's take a look at the rules and requirements of Oathbreaker according to the official Oathbreaker website. You can find the link to the website as well as all of their rules and ban list in the description of this podcast. Your commander, known as an Oathbreaker, must be a Planeswalker, and an instant or sorcery spell is chosen as your Oathbreaker signature spell. The signature spell must fall within the Planeswalker's color identity, and both your Oathbreaker and your signature spell start in the command zone. Your signature spell cannot be cast unless your Oathbreaker is on the battlefield. Along with your Oathbreaker and Signature spell, your deck must contain 58 additional cards that fall within your Oathbreaker's color identity and cannot contain any duplicates other than basic lands. The Commander tax applies to both the Oathbreaker and their Signature spell, but applies separately. So if you cast your Oathbreaker and it dies before you can cast your Signature spell, your Signature spell does not gain Commander tax. Players begin the game with 20 life, and there's no commander damage, obviously, because your commander can't deal combat damage. The format does have a different band list, which you can find on the Oathbreaker MTG website. In my mind, this format is aimed towards a faster and more synergistic deck-building strategy, but that doesn't mean it's not fun. I want to build an Oathbreaker deck so bad that I've actually started to do so. I'm building a mono-green Oathbreaker deck that revolves around Mana Ramp and Elves. It's Nyssa, who shakes the world, and Genesis Wave as her signature spell. Let's take a look at those two cards, and maybe you'll find a lot of interest in this format as well. Nissa, Who Shakes the World, is a legendary planeswalker for three green green. She is a Nissa planeswalker that starts with five loyalty. She has a static ability that states whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional green. You can increase her loyalty by one to put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control. Untap it, it becomes a zero-zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that's still a land. And you can remove eight loyalty to get an emblem with lands you control, have indestructible, search your library for any number of forest cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Obviously, this commander's all about doubling your mana and making huge creatures that you can still tap for mana, and they're able to attack immediately. But probably the disgusting part of this deck is the signature spell. Let's take a look at Genesis Wave. It is X, green, green, green. For a sorcery, reveal the top X cards of your library. You may put any number of permanent cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Then put all cards revealed this way that weren't put onto the battlefield into your graveyard. The deck is going to revolve around 
Starting off casting Genesis Wave, where X isn't really too much, the goal is to get lots of small elves onto the board and just ramp out, and then it has some huge nail-biting finishers, like Rampaging Balos or Avenger of Zendikar, that can just come onto the battlefield and just end the game incredibly quickly. And then, of course, if you are making a ton of land creatures with Nyssa, you're going to be able to go wide and overrun your opponents. I think it's going to be an incredible deck. If you'd like to find more decks or maybe even do some research on your own, as I mentioned, the Oathbreaker MTG website has a ton of great resources for you, and a lot of great deck techs can be found on tappedout.net or on EDHREC, which supports Oathbreaker. So give it a look. Our second format really revolves around people who don't have a whole lot of money. Perhaps you don't have a large budget to build a fully tuned commander deck. That's extremely common. Not everyone has large amounts of money, and I could go deeper into that with Wizards of the Coast, but I'm not going to. I just want to talk about formats today. Popper Commander, or PDH, <laughs> you get it, gives you an amazing alternative format for budget play, but continues to deliver competitive and synergistic gameplay. You've probably heard of Popper before, which is a format in which you play with common printed cards only, but that isn't Commander. PDH is extremely similar. Here are the rules and requirements for Popper Commander. You can find these rules on the PDH home base website. I've also linked that in this podcast description, but they do have rules as well as some archived articles you can read. Your commander can be any creature that was at one point printed at uncommon rarity, not just a legendary creature. You must have 99 additional cards in your deck that have been printed at common rarity at some point in Magic's history and must share color identities with your commander and cannot contain any duplicates other than basic lands. Commander tax does apply. Players begin the game with 30 life instead of 40, and commander damage is lowered from 21 to 16. The format also has a different ban list. This format is excellent for casual EDH players, for those who can't afford expensive cards, or those who want a deck-building challenge. Since you can use literally any uncommon creature, it expands the card pool quite a bit and allows for some excellent synergies to be made. Whereas Commander and other formats like Oathbreaker have a very well-detailed ban list, PDH only lists two specific cards, that being Mystic Remora and Ristic Study, both cards printed at common at some point, but have since had their rarities highly increased because of the power level of the cards, and are not allowed in Popper Commander. Another Popper Commander format, known as Artisan PDH, forces you to use legendary uncommons rather than any uncommon creature, and that limits the card pool a little bit, but I also believe it increases the challenge of deck building, and if you are able to complete many Popper Commander decks with only legendary uncommons, I think you'll find that you can also play it in regular Commander as well. An incredibly awesome commander for this format is a legendary creature, although, like I said, you can use any uncommon creature, Tatiova Benthic Druid. Bringing landfall and combo into PDH 
is pretty easy. Who would have thought? Let's take a look at Tatiova. She is 3 green blue for a 3-3 legendary creature, Merfolk Druid. Her ability is incredibly simple. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life and draw a card. The purpose of a deck like this is to churn out a ton of lands, playing a lot of lands through ramp, thus allowing you to draw a ton of cards. Even with Ristic Study banned, you can still draw a ton of cards in Popper Commander just by playing blue. Of course you can. It's an incredibly strong deck, and you can find a full deck profile using Tatiova Benthic Druid in Popper Commander in this podcast description. Seriously, give Popper Commander a try. I highly recommend it. I've played Popper before, and I think building Popper Commander might be a little bit easier on your wallet as well. When doing research for this episode, I found a website called Command Dollar. Now, realistically, you can play this variant with any Magic the Gathering format, but I think if you play this format with Commander, you're going to have an excellent time. Let's take a look at Cowboy, the EDH format we didn't know about, but we all need. The rules of Cowboy are from Command Dollar, and the link will also be in this podcast description, and I think it's really, really fun. Here are the rules for Cowboy. The same rules apply for regular commander, as stated at the beginning of the podcast. This format requires a minimum of five players. So if you end up with an odd number of players in your pod, then this might be the format that you'd want to play. Added rules are as follows. Before players choose their decks, a role is assigned secretly to each player. These roles determine what that player's goals are in the game. The roles are... Sheriff, Deputy, Outlaw, and Renegade. The Sheriff is the only player who reveals their role before the game begins. Each other role is secret. The Sheriff begins the game with 60 life, and they take their turn first. The Sheriff wins when all the Outlaws and the Renegade are defeated. The goal of the Deputy is to protect the Sheriff at all costs. Since the role is secret, it adds a layer of deception to the game. The deputy wins if the sheriff wins, even if the deputy loses before that. The outlaws want to defeat the sheriff at all costs, and win if the sheriff is defeated, even if only one remains in the game at the end. However, the dark horse role is the renegade. The renegade wants to defeat everyone, starting with the outlaws and the deputy first, then defeating the sheriff one-on-one. -on -one. In a five-player game, there is one Sheriff, one Deputy, two Outlaws, and one Renegade. If you do have more players in your pod, adjust the roles accordingly. And remember, when adjusting those roles, you can assign more than one Deputy. When a player loses the game, they reveal their role to the table. If an Outlaw loses the game, the Sheriff draws three cards. If a Deputy loses the game, the Sheriff discards their hand. If you haven't tried this out, I highly, highly recommend it. I want to try it out myself. It adds a level of deception and politics to the game that most formats just can't have. And you don't have to build a special deck for this format. Just use your already built commander decks and have some great fun. This reminds me of deception games like Coup, where you have to determine roles of other players without directly saying your role yourself. I honestly think Cowboy is going to be some of the most fun I've ever had playing commander. And I think you will too. And finally, the last format I want to go over is Plane Chase. 
Many players have heard of Plane Chase already. In fact, many players have already played Plane Chase Commander. But I think it's an amazing format, and it doesn't get a lot of love from Wizards of the Coast anymore. Plane Chase has not been around in a long time, and Plane Chase decks have been the same for many, many years. Plane Chase adds another layer of interest into the game, and kind of provides a world enchantment aspect to the entire table, and maybe even some politics. Let's take a look at the rules of Plane Chase. The same rules of Commander as discussed at the beginning of the podcast still apply. In addition to their Commander deck, each player has a deck of at least 10 Plane or Phenomenon cards. A deck can have at most two Phenomenon cards, and this is called the Planar deck, which exists in the Command Zone. No two Planar Phenomenon cards in a Planar deck may have the same name. Alternatively, there may be one large Planar deck that encompasses the entirety of the table, which is what I recommend. At the beginning of the game, after mulligans are resolved, the starting player turns over the top card of the planar deck. Its effects become present in the game. There will always be exactly one plane card face up. Anytime a player would cast a sorcery, they may instead roll a planar die. The die is special and has four blank sides which have no effect. One side has the famous Magic the Gathering Planeswalker symbol on it. When the Planeswalker symbol is rolled, the turn player puts the active plane or phenomenon card at the bottom of the planar deck. Then the player who rolled the Planeswalker symbol turns the top card of the planar deck face up. This process is known as Planeswalking. The last side of the planar die shows the Chaos symbol, which triggers the Chaos ability of the active plane. The Chaos ability then goes on the stack, and the active player gets priority. Rolling the planar die costs an amount of mana equal to the number of times the player taking that action has done so that turn. For example, the first die roll costs zero, the second costs one generic, and so on. Certain planes have certain abilities. For example, probably the most broken one is Naya, which allows players to play any number of lands on each of their turns. Since this is a world enchantment-based effect, it affects each player on the board and each player can use that ability. However, it is not a permanent and therefore cannot be destroyed with cards. In my mind, games of Plane Chase Commander are so much fun. And the best part is there are dedicated apps made by players who love Plane Chase that don't require you to own planar decks. A lot of the physical plane decks are extremely expensive due to them being printed at a fairly low print run and most game stores not even having the product at all, anymore at least. If you can find plane chase decks, they're probably likely incredibly expensive. Luckily, there are apps, like I said, that mitigate the ability to have the physical cards, and you can play with as many plane chase cards as you want, and each player can have their own deck if they want. It's an incredibly casual and super fun format that I think everyone will enjoy, and once again, just like Cowboy, you don't have to build a special deck for it. Give Plane Chase a try if you haven't already. In closing, Commander is an amazing format, and I think these variants provide so much more fun to the table. It's also an amazing testament to the dedication and creativity of the Magic the Gathering community, because without some amazing minds, these great formats just wouldn't exist at all. If you find these formats fun, support the creators of the formats on their website. 
and continue playing it. You'll have tons of fun, I know it, and hey, you might get some players into Magic the Gathering to begin with just by playing something a little bit more out there. Once again, I'd like to thank my patron Paul for giving me the idea for this podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast creation, as well as suggest podcast ideas and maybe play some spell table games of Commander with Paul and I, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. You'll also gain access to new episodes of the podcast a day early. Also, be sure to follow Turn One Soul Ring on Spotify and Amazon Music, and follow our Facebook page, which is linked in the podcast description. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Turn One Soul Ring. We'll see you next week, and may your top decks be sick. Bye, everyone.